Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Thursday, December the 9th, feast day of St. Juan Diego. St. Juan, pray for us. The abortion states of America. You know, the the talk of the great divorce is coming back up again. We're going to have Dr. Paul Kengor on the program at 35 past the hour. He is a professor of political science out of Grove City College. And we're going to talk about what might happen. If, in fact, the Supreme Court reverses Roe v. Wade and it goes back to the states, we're already kind of seeing it happen, actually. But we're going to talk more in detail about that at 35 past the hour. Of course, we're going to have a What's Concerning Us at 15 past the hour. Lots to discuss there. Of course, there's the war on Christmas. That's a hot topic every year. Uh, but there are many uh, companies and countries, even the European Union has gotten in on the action. Even Pope Francis has spoken out against it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But plus, Pope Francis is saying that sexual sins aren't as serious as others. We're going to dive a little bit into that story as well, all coming up at 15 past the hour. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, listeners. Since you are completely responsible for everything that happens in California, uh, can you explain how uh, schools in Los Angeles are forcing kids to get uh, vaccinated without parental consent? Gee, I'll have to look into that one <laughs> to see what they're doing here. I they mean, did offer pizza, though. They did offer the kid pizza in exchange for mum's the word, don't tell your parents. That's what a- would you do? I mean, honestly, you read that story and you're just thinking, wow, that is insanity. Totally. To the highest degree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the parent fully vaccinated was like, wait, what? My, my kid has issues that uh, would make it even more complicated if they got the vaccine. Their health may be in danger now. And the school didn't even bother to ask. Isn't that fun? That's fun. For pizza. For, uh, is, there, is there any redeeming stories in the news? Redeeming stories? Uh, you know, I, I didn't see a lot of redeeming stories today, but we do have a good news story coming up in the second hour. And it's a <laughs> tearjerker. So is it? I was reading through it. Nice. Ago, I like those. Those are my favorite kind. Praise be to God. There was a story out. Is it? Is, hopefully it's not a spoiler alert. I saw a story about two police officers diving into a frozen pond or something to save a dog. <laughs> no, it's not right. that one. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> well, praise be to God. We have to, we have that to look forward to. Speaking of frozen ponds, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. It's good to be here. Praise be to God. In spite of it all? In spite of it all, it's good to be here. I, I tend not to cry whenever I hear dog stories, to be honest. Of course uh, you don't. But, you know, humans, yeah, humans. You are have there. no heart. They're, humans are much more important to me. Uh, but, you know, praise be to God, yesterday was a blast, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. I hope uh, people who tuned in uh, enjoyed the show yesterday. We had great conversations. If you missed the conversation, you can check that out at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Our YouTube channel, our Odyssey channel, you can check out those interviews that were there. And there was awesome interviews. But, yeah, yesterday, praise be to God, Immaculate Conception. I went, got up bright and early, went to uh, morning mass. Then I went out to eat with my grandparents. Nice. They were telling me all these crazy stories of uh, my grandpa told me stories of his uncle, of my, of my, of his, my great uncles. I don't even know. (laughs) His brothers. And uh, that was awesome. So then me and my little sister played ping pong together. 
Uh, and uh, she, my little sister, made Rice Krispie treats uh, for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. It was a great time. I had a, I had a blast yesterday. Praise be to God. Well, that's good. Praise be to Jesus. We went to the High Mass last night. Uh, I wanted us to get up, crack it down, and go, but uh, apparently uh, I'm the one of very few people in my family who are capable of such things. So we went to the High Mass instead, which was actually quite lovely and beautiful. Of course, it was packed. Although I have to say... Uh, I was greatly tempted to lose all peace uh, before Mass when not only was Houston traffic at its prime, uh, (laughs) but somebody at my parish double parked, taking up two spots. Yeah, that really kind of put me in a sour mood. But other than that, I had to, (laughs) the Lord was testing me. (laughs) The Lord was testing me. Maybe that's what the Pope was speaking about, about some sins are greater than sexual sins. Maybe that's... Is he's talking one? about double parking. Double I think parking. he's talking about not returning your shopping carts. <laughs> yes, amen. <laughs> Preach it, brother. Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, anyway, before we get on too long of a tangent about pet peeves, we should do a whole show on pet peeves. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be fun, actually. But therapeutic, at least. Uh, we are going to uh, pray and uh, pray and ask uh, our lady to intercede for your intentions, dear listener, whatever pet peeves you're struggling with, along with me. Uh, and plus, we're going to dive into the breaking news and stories, gospel of the day, saint of the day. We'll have a bit of a reflection. Of course, we'll have a what's concerning us at 15 past, a Paul, Dr. Paul Kengore at 35 past. All that in this hour. It's going to be a great hour. Please join us if you can for all or part of it. But do us a favor and share us with a friend. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your breaking stories with Rudy Carlos. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos. Let's dive right into the headlines for today. AP News reports Senate rejects Biden's vaccine mandate for businesses. The Senate narrowly approved a resolution Wednesday to nullify the Biden administration's requirement that businesses with 100 or more workers have their employees be vaccinated against the coronavirus or submit to daily test to weekly testing. Excuse me. The vote was 52-48. The Democratic-led House is unlikely to take the measure up, which means that the mandate would stand, though courts have to put it on hold for now. Still, the vote gave senators a chance to voice opposition to a policy they say have sparked fears back from, um, fears back, excuse me, um, <clears throat> the vote was 52-48. The Democratic-led House is unlikely to take the measure up, which means the mandate would stand, though courts have to put it on hold for now. Still, the vote gave senators a chance to voice opposition to a party, a policy that they say has sparked fears back home from businesses and from unvaccinated constituents who worry about losing their jobs should the rule go into effect. Lawmakers can invalidate certain federal agency regulations if a joint resolution is approved by both houses of Congress and signed by the president, or if a Congress if the Congress overrides a presidential veto, that's unlikely to happen in this case. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer from New York said Americans who have refused to get the vac- vaccine are the biggest impediment to ending the pandemic. He implied that some of the resistance to mandated vaccines is based on politics. Hmm. Heavy Reports tracker trial Twitter account providing Jelaine Maxwell trial updates is suspended. And The Hill reports Meadows suing Pelosi and the January 6th committee. 
Former Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows is suing Nancy Pelosi from California and the House Committee investigating the alleged, alleged January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol as he faces a likely contempt referral for refusing to cooperate with the panel. In a civil complaint filed Wednesday afternoon, Meadows' lawyer said that the select committee does not have the authority to issue the subpoenas directed at him or obtain his phone records from a third party, and that President Biden's refusal to assert executive privilege opens constitutional questions that should be decided through legal action. The lawsuit says Meadows believed the committee would act in good faith until he learned over the weekend that lawmakers had subpoenaed Verizon for his personal phone records. Meadows' lawsuit argues that the select committee is not a legitimate legislative body and therefore its subpoenas are invalid and unenforceable. The former White House official also argues that the committee is demanding information on and records that are protected by Trump's claims of executive privilege. Daily Caller reports Los Angeles School District fires 400-plus employees who haven't been vaccinated. And The Blaze reports actor Michael Sheen declares he is now a not-for-profit actor who will donate majority of earnings to the needy and highlights prompt, the prompting moment during the production of The Passion. In an interview with The Big Issue, Sheen explained that during, the 20, that during 2011, while taking part in National Theater Wales' production of The Passion, he was eventually moved to an epiphany that would soon change his outlook on his blessings. That project involved the entire town, and it was a big awakening for me, he admitted. I got to know people and organizations within my hometown that I didn't know existed, little groups who were trying to help young careers. He said that, he said that after the production ended, he carried on with his, his way of life, but several months after, he had a brutal wake-up call when he visited his hometown to find that the funding for the social programs had all but dried up. Suddenly, with not long to go, there was no money, he said. I had to make a decision. I could walk away from it, but I wouldn't. it wouldn't happen. And all those people from all around the world who were banking on coming to have this extraordinary experience, maybe a life-changing experience, would, wouldn't have it. I thought, I'm not going to let that happen, so I put all my money into keeping, keeping it going. I had a house in America and a house here, and I put those up and just did whatever it took. Amazing story, and those are your headline news for this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is a Gaelic saint from the 6th century, so that's going to be a fun pronunciation game today. Saint Budok was born in the 6th century. Princess Ezenor fled Brittany with her young son, Saint Budok, who was due to, due to dyna dynastic conflict. Arriving first in Cornwall, they then proceeded to Ireland, where Budok became a monk. They later returned to Brittany, landing at Porse Potter near Brest. A famous abbot, he became a famous abbot whose chief establishment was on the Breton coast. He was a teacher and living on the island of Laura. Later, Budok succeeded St. Samson in Magloria as a bishop of Dahl and ruled for 26 years. Budok is rep reputed to have been the grandson of the King Evan of Brest. His mother, Princess Ezenor of Brest, had been falsely accused of infidelity by her jealous stepmother, who had thrown the pregnant Ezenor into the sea in a cask. Ezenor invoked the help of St. Bridget, and the cask drifted for five months. Shortly after Ezenor's baby was born, the cask washed ashore on the coast of Ireland. The story echoes Greek myths. A villager summoned the abbot of Beaumore Port near Waterford, and the child was christened the next day. Ezenor became the washerwoman of the monastery, and Budok was raised there. Ezenor's stepmother fell ill, and upon her deathbed, she recanted the evil lies she had spread. 
Azanor's husband sailed in search of Azanor, and arriving in Ireland, the couple was reconciled, but both died before they could return to Brittany. However, a tradition of Cornosola uh, has Ezenor founding a religious establishment at, at Cap Saizun. Budok became a monk, and he eventually left Ireland, sailing in a stone through the landed of Port Potter. Budok is reputed to have sailed across Plymouth uh, Sound until he found an inlet on the Devon side of the River Tamar. He landed in Budshed Creek, part of the present district of Plymouth called St. Budo. He supposedly activity suggests a foundation of early churches in Plymouth. St. Budok, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 11, verses 11 through 15. Jesus said to the crowds, Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there have been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent are taking it by force. All the prophets and the law prophesied up to the time of John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, the one who is to come, whoever has ears ought to hear the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Jerome would say, certainly it is great violence for a man to look for a seat in heaven and to obtain that by his virtue, which was refused him by his nature. Uh, Schalliner from Haydock's commentary would say, suffer violence, it is not to be obtained but by main force, by using violence upon ourselves, by mortification and penance, and resisting our perverse inclinations. We must do violence to our disordered passions. That's the, the heart of it. Many of the early church fathers will look at it from that perspective. Ignatius' Catholic uh, commentary points out that John is the greatest Old Testament prophet. In the New Covenant, however, even the least New Testament saint outshines the most illustrious saints of old. These prophets looked ahead to the New Covenant but did not share fully in its blessings. Hadock's commentary would go on to say, He who is the least in sanctity in the church of Christ is greater than John. Not that John did not excel in sanctity, many, nay, even most of the children of the church of Christ, but that those who belong to the church on account of the circumstances of their being under the new law, which is the law of children, are greater than those under the old law, which was the law of bondsmen. As the least among the children is greater than the greatest among the bondsmen. You are blessed to be a part of the church. Don't take it for granted, but do violence to your disordered passions. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Many Protestants believe Christians can be absolutely sure they're going to heaven because John tells us in 1 John 5.13, I write this that you may know you have eternal life. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, 
John writes in the next verse, and this is the confidence which we have in him. For John, the knowledge we have of our salvation is not a certainty without doubt, but a confident assurance. And that's the Catholic belief. Second, we know this is what John means because in verse 15, he draws a parallel between our knowledge of salvation and our knowledge that God grants our requests. Do we have absolute certitude that God will grant our requests? No, but we are confident he will answer. So Catholics need not worry. John is not teaching Protestant doctrine here. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Dr. Paul Kengore is back on the program today. We're talking about the potential fallout of uh, the reversal of Roe v. Wade. What will happen? How will things uh, roll out? And I think we're seeing it already, actually. But he will dive into greater detail at 35 past the hour. So join us for that if you can. There are lots of stories in the news I would say are of great concern to me and I'm sure to many of you as well. Uh, let me just start really quickly with the war on Christmas. Uh, there's several articles out in regards to this. Uh, this is not something new. You go to the store and someone says happy holidays and you look at them like, wait, it, it's Christmas, right? You are celebrating Christmas, the birth of Christ, right? Like that's the reason for the season. Keep Christ in Christmas. Keep Mass in Christmas, for crying out loud. Um, but uh, we every year, it never seems to uh, change. There's always some companies, some corporations, or, or in our case this year, the European Union who wants to do away with the Christmas theme and just go straight up for holidays. And Pope Francis has been speaking out against it. Here's an article by the Blaze Media. The headline goes, Pope Francis, the EU's war on Christmas reminds me of what the Nazis and the commies did. I like that. Praise be to God. Good, good, good point, Your Holiness. He goes on to say, through the conservative, though the conservative rage on the seasonal war on Christmas in the U.S. has appeared to wane over the last few years, Pope Francis told the world this month that the efforts to cancel Christmas are alive and well and are being led by the Western governments. And the pontiff wasn't afraid to point out that the anti-Christmas efforts were reminiscent of Napoleon, the Nazis, and the communists. The Pope is referring to an attempt by the European Union to ban the word Christmas in an effort to promote inclusive communication. Uh, inclusive communication. Crux reported last week, according to Crux, uh, according to the outlet, an internal dossier sent around offered guidelines signed by the European Commissioner for Equality uh, that recommended officials stop saying Merry Christmas and use Happy Holidays instead. And no longer should people go on Christmas holiday. Rather, it should be winter break. Hmm. Hmm. Winter break. Kind of reminds me of, let's see, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine cartoons and Bob the Builder, who all uh, went and got rid of Christmas and their specials and went with uh, either the winter equinox or, or solstice or whatever it is or the, the happy holidays. I was cringing watching that with kids years ago. Here's another article, this one out of the uh, Christian Post. Target Walgreens named to naughty list of companies accused of censoring Christmas. 
Uh, I'm sure there's a whole ton of companies here that are on board with this, but uh, I guess these are among the greatest offenders. Target, Gap, and Walgreens are among 13 companies that have been placed on a Christian conservative legal nonprofit's naughty list for for failing to spotlight Christmas during the holiday season. Last Friday, the Liberty Council released its annual Naughty and Nice Retail list of businesses that either recognize and celebrate Christmas or silence and censor Christmas. The compilation criticizes companies that the organization believes are not doing a good enough job of spotlighting the true meaning of Christmas in their holiday-themed branding. According to the list, Target is naughty because the retail corporation has surprisingly few mentions of Christmas. Though it does have references to pack your season full of merry and efforts and rather and offers seasonal ugly sweaters and secret gifting room. Hmm. I guess the pharmacy chain Walgreens refers to the to the term holiday frequently and only one reference to the term Christmas on their website. Meanwhile, Gap has no references to Christmas or any biblical elements within product associations and advertisements. Hmm. You can go on and read the rest of that article over at the Christian Post. I would say this, though. Remember, if you're going to shop at these places, um, it, the employees don't necessarily share the opinions of their employers. So rather than pull out a bat and start swinging, maybe just say, Merry Christmas to you. And they might say it back. Who knows? But either way, you get to plant a seed. So keep that in mind as you make your choices and where to shop for the Christmas season. And let's keep Christ in Christmas this year. Amen. Praise be to God. Uh, Pope Francis, also in the news. There is another Breitbart article. I saw it a couple of days ago also over on the pillar. But I think the Breitbart article summarizes things a little cleaner here. Breitbart says, uh, Pope Francis, sins of the flesh, not the most serious. Hmm, what could he mean by this? The article says, Pope Francis declared that the sins of the flesh are not as serious as spiritual sins like pride or hatred, arguing that the latter have far greater consequences. Speaking with journalists on his flight between Greece and Cyprus on Monday, the Holy Father addressed the recent resignation of Paris Paris Archbishop Michael Apotit after the French magazine Le Point alleged he had an intimate, consensual relationship with a secretary. Quote, I poorly handled the situation with a person who was in contact many times with me, unquote, Apetit said upon his resignation. While Pope Francis acknowledged that the archbishop had failed, quote, against the Sixth Commandment, adultery, unquote, he believed the offense was not absolute since the prelate was accused of small caresses and massages. Article goes on to say, quote, It was a failing against the Sixth Commandment, you shall not commit adultery, but not a total one, one of small caresses, massages given to his secretary. That is what the accusation is, unquote, Francis said. He goes on to say, quote, There is a sin, he says, there is a sin there, but not the worst kind, unquote. Quote, he, the bishop, was condemned, but, but by whom? By public opinion, by gossip. He could no longer govern, unquote, Francis added. Going on to say, quote, I accepted the resignation of Appetit, not on the altar of truth, but on the altar of hypocrisy, unquote. Appetit maintains that he did not violate his vow of celibacy. An Italian journalist, Luigi uh, Acutoli, 
Acatoli told the Times that the Pope's comments show that, quote, things have changed in the last 60 years, unquote. Things have changed in the last 60 years, huh? The the journalist from Italy says, quote, sexual sins were once considered very serious in the Catholic Church, and priests would warn against non-married kissing and even tell parents not to let their children go out dancing. But things have changed in the last 60 years. Francis is the first pope to come out and say what has been clear to his predecessors since Pope Paul VI. They didn't say so for fear of scandal and traditionalists may attack Francis now, but he is not afraid to say what he thinks. The article goes on to say the Catechism of the Catholic Church defines chastity as the liberation of self-control so that people would not be controlled by their passions. Chastity includes the apprenticeship in self-mastery. Good grief. I'll learn to read eventually. Chastity includes an apprenticeship in self-mastery, which is a training in human freedom, it says. The alternative is clear. Either man governs his passions and finds peace, or he lets himself be dominated by them and becomes unhappy. Now, that's the article from Breitbart summarizing the case. Number one, this happened in 2012 with this archbishop in France. Uh, Where was Pope Benedict XVI on that? I'm just curious. Uh, He never resigned until just recently. Um, why didn't he happen then? Remember, Pope Francis doesn't become Pope until 2013. In fact, it was March 12th, 2013, when the conclave elected uh, Pope Francis to the chair of St. Peter, uh, number one. Number two, I'm a little concerned how people interpret him. Uh, let's say I'm a lot concerned on how people interpret Pope Francis. Well, there is a, a, there is a saying among Catholics, commentators, you know, Pope splaining. We used to Pope explain all the time. We used to have to interpret everything he said for fear that the general public, the non-practicing Catholics, lukewarm, fallen away Catholics, anti-Catholics, would take everything he said and use it against us. So we would Pope explain things away. Well, I, I guess here we are doing this again because uh, I'm a little concerned that when he says things like sexual sins aren't as important as some other sins, that What the world will hear is, oh, sexual sins are fine, especially since the Italian journalist quoted in this article is saying, hey, everything has changed now. And Pope Francis is the courageous and brave one to admit that publicly. Is that the case? Hmm. Well, I want to remind you of a couple of things that uh, St. Paul would say. First Corinthians six, starting at verse nine. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the immortal, or rather the immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, i.e. here baptism, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are plain, immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, which ties us back to the gospel today. Thank you, St. Paul. We must do violence to our disordered passions, to the sins of the flesh, that so many souls go to hell as a result to the sins of the flesh. Pride, yes. Pride is a problem for most of us. And so is some of these other spiritual sins. But we can't give a pass to sins of the flesh because it's 2021 going to be 2022. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one important thing to note here is that it's actually, it's true that spiritual sins are worse than the sins of the flesh. But a lady of Fatima said specifically that the sins of the flesh, more people go to hell because of sins of the flesh than spiritual sins. And why is that? It's because all it takes to go to hell is to die in a state of mortal sin. It's one mortal sin is all you need to go to hell. So yes, uh, committing these grave spiritual sins like blasphemy, sacrilege, sins against pride, all these things are worse sins in terms of its gravity and then it's sin where in hell you're going to be. But the sins of the flesh are still sins. And Our Lady Fatima is very clear. People are falling into hell like snowflakes. And they are in the primary reason is because of sins of the flesh. So definitely 100% chastity is very important. And yes, maybe he didn't violate uh, his vow of celibacy, but he definitely 100% violated chastity. Yeah, for sure. And I still want to know what Benedict XVI had to say about this back in 2012 Mm -hmm. when it actually happened. You know, our priests, our bishops, they are humans just like the rest of us. Now, they are given graces that we don't possess because we are lay folk and they are not. But we still must pray for them because they are giant targets. So let's pray for them. Let's fast. Let's do penance. Let's do violence to our disordered passions. And let's offer up our little sacrifices for the Holy Father, for the cardinals, the bishops, priests, and deacons of the Holy Mother Church. Amen. We'll be right back. Breaking news is coming up next. And Dr. Paul Kengor, still ahead. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. For some couples, praying together is very natural, but for others, prayer may feel awkward or forced. The truth is, there is real power in spouses praying together. So how can couples pray together more? You can begin by blessing each other and your children in the morning, or engage in communal prayer together like the rosary or the mass. You can also ask your spouse, how can you pray for them? Intercede for them and their needs throughout your day as you are driving or cleaning. When parents need guidance in making decisions for the family, this is when the two of you should come before the Lord in faith and ask for help. And when you fall or make poor choices, you should also repent together and ask the Lord for His forgiveness and mercy. Growing in your prayer life is an essential way to develop and deepen your relationship, but also a way for you to support your spouse and love them more profoundly. A threefold cord is not easily broken. To hear more, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's your headline news. Breitbart reports Representative Chris Smith, Biden playing Genocide Olympics, a weak response by a weak administration. Human rights activists and the victims of the Chinese Communist Party initially urged the International Olympic Committee to postpone and relocate the Olympics outside of China in response to China's human rights atrocities. The Chinese Communist Party under dictator Xi Jinping is arguably the world's worst prolific human rights abuser, systematically repressing millions of people, particularly political dissidents, religious believers, and members of ethnic minorities. The Biden administration facing uh, growing pressure not to honor China with, America's with America's presence at the event announced this week through the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki that the United States would not boycott the event. Saki stated that the American athletes, but not politicians, would attend, branding the absence of American officials as a diplomatic boycott that sent China a clear message. The congressman also condemned the Beijing Olympics corporate sponsors who universally rejected calls for, for a boycott, among them Coca-Cola and Airbnb, Intel, and Visa all have Olympic partner status, the highest level of sponsorship. The Washington Examiner reports 4.2 million workers quit jobs in October, third highest number on record. Fox reports federal judge grants Project Veritas request for a third party to review James O'Keefe's phones seized by FBI. On Wednesday, District Court Judge Annalisa Torres from the Southern District of New York is ordering a special master to be appointed to oversee the review of O'Keefe's devices, citing potential First Amendment concerns. The appointment of the special master over the objections of the Department of Justice is further evidence of government overreach in their heavy-handed violation of the First Amendment and journalistic privilege during the investigation of the purported theft of a diary belonging to the daughter of the president, a representative from Project Veritas told Fox News in a statement. Last month, the homes of O'Keefe and two other Project Veritas associates were raided by the FBI as part of an investigation into the alleged theft of a diary belonging to President Biden President Biden's daughter, Ashley Biden. He says, quote, I woke up to a pre-dawn raid, O'Keefe told, told Fox News, Sean Hannity, in an interview, banging on my door. I went to my door to answer the door, and there were 10 FBI agents with a battering ram, white blinding lights. They turned me around, handcuffed me, and threw me against the hallway. I was partially clothed in front of my neighbors. They confiscated my phone. They raided my apartment. On the phone, there were many of my reporters' notes, a lot of my sources unrelated to the story, and a lot of confidential donor information to our news organization. The Project Veritas founder then explained that tipsters approached his group late last year, alleging to have Ashley Biden's diary containing explosive allegations about her father, the uh, then the Democratic nominee and that the diary was allegedly abandoned in a room that she had stayed at and that they stayed at and they stayed after the tipsters who O'Keefe said excuse me I'm having a tough time this morning <laughs> I apologize the tipsters who O'Keefe said he had never met prior were apparently negotiating with media outlets to sell Biden's diary and that ultimately Project Veritas did not publish the book's contents because the group was not able to independently verify its authenticity Project Veritas appreciates the ruling, but continues to insist that the government show the public why they conducted these raids and return legally privileged material immediately, the representative added. The judge previously ordered the Department of Justice to halt its review of O'Keefe's phones pending Project Veritas's request for a special master. An American Greatness reports Dr. Peter McCullough vaccine-induced 
Myocarditis in young people may be more serious than COVID-induced myocarditis. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Yeah, it's uh, the day after a day off. So brains and mouths have to still figure out how to work together, right, Rudy? I mean... (laughs) I think I was struggling today, too. But at any rate, we have a great opportunity to have a wonderful conversation with Dr. Paul Kengor. He joins us now by phone. He's got an article out on Crisis Magazine called The Abortion States of America, uh, which he published back in November. But I think it's uh, apropos for today, considering there's an article out on Breitbart right now about Gavin Newsom. California to become abortion sanctuary if Roe overturned. Of course, New York has already made the similar announcements. Good morning to you, Dr. Paul Kangor. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Praise be to God, I am alive, and that counts. <laughs> How are yeah. you? Good, good. And you're right. I saw that piece today about Gavin Newsom, and, and he had said back a few months ago that he was going to make California a reproductive state. That's how he put it. And it's really he and Kathy Hochul, who's the, the governor of New York, who replaced Andrew Cuomo. And if, if it's possible for Catholics to even imagine this, she's probably worse than Cuomo on the abortion issue. Wow. And I should add, too, that like Cuomo, she's Catholic. And she has um, the quote from her is that uh, abortion access is safe in New York. To the women of Texas, I want to say I'm with you. Lady Liberty is here to welcome you with open arms. And imagine a Catholic saying this, right? We will help you find a way to New York. And we are right now looking intensely to find, find what resources can bring to the table to help you have safe transport here. And also, Joe, she made sure that she included birthing persons in her her invitation, right? I am proud that New York is leading the fight to ensure that every woman and birthing person has access to abortion care. Yeah, yeah. Women um, and birthing persons. And birthing persons, yes. So that is a Catholic. That is a product of Catholic schools. She went to Catholic University of America Law School. Um, you know, back when I would say CUA isn't as strong as it is now, to be fair to CUA. Uh, but that is, that's where, and, and Newsom is Catholic, and of course leading the fight at the national level to, to fight um, you know, the heartbeat bill and, and what's going on in Mississippi and everywhere else is, is a Catholic president, Joe Biden. So Catholics at all levels are stepping forward to uh, battle for Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey and this is a really, really sad, sad, sad state of um, where we are in America with our um, Catholic politicians. I, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I did not know Gavin Newsom was Catholic until I read your article. Yeah, well, it's easy. It's easy uh, not to know, <laughs> and he's um, it kind of, kind of like uh, you know, people ask me who the Catholics are in the Supreme Court, and. Everybody easily names Amy Coney Barrett and Clarence Thomas and Justice Alito, and you get to five or six, and then you're kind of stumped. And uh, well, Sonia Sotomayor is another, and she's on the pro-choice side, and and, and no one really even knows which parish she goes to or if she goes to mass. She she I don't know. I honestly don't know if she's practicing or not. It's real. It's really not clear. But and then and that's. Kind of the same with Newsom as well, but but he he is certainly like Kathy Hochul and and like President Biden, not living out the faith when it comes to the abortion issue. You know, no no question about that. 
Now, prior to Roe v. Wade, as your article states, there was a trend of abortion tourism, and uh, women were traveling as uh, you know, as much as 500 miles or more to go to a state where they could obtain an abortion. And it seems like we're going right back to that. Yeah, we are. That, that, that's probably exactly where we're headed. And you know, ab- abortion really should have been. It should have never left the states to begin with. I mean, it should have been Roe v. Wade should Roe v. Wade is just abominable constitutional law. I mean, it is it, the, the it, for people who who don't understand how this could possibly be. Well, so Roe v. Wade, January twenty second, nineteen seventy three. You you had Supreme Court justices who invented who who invented a right to an abortion. Because the word abortion, of course, is is nowhere in the Constitution, which they got out of a right to privacy. And and people say, well, okay, I guess they got the right to privacy from the Constitution, and from that inferred a right to an abortion. Actually, go online, look up the Constitution. The word privacy is not mentioned in the Constitution. So so they had to inject into the Constitution the word privacy, which didn't exist there. And from that, they came up with what they call these penumbras or shadows. And from the shadows or the penumbra of the right to privacy, they invented a right to an abortion. So privacy isn't in there. Abortion isn't in there. Right to life is actually – the word life is, is actually in the Constitution three times, Fifth Amendment and Fourteenth Amendment. And, and you know, a pro-choicer would here probably point out that when the framers used life there, they weren't thinking about, about abortion, of course, right? But a, but a pro-lifer would have much more to hang on with the, with the word um, life than a pro-choicer would with the word abortion or even privacy. And interestingly, in the oral arguments last week in the Dobbs case, it was Justice Thomas who asked um, Biden's solicitor general, Preligar, who is defending Planned Parenthood and, and so-called abortion rights, Thomas asked her, well, well, where in the Constitution do you come up with this? I mean, you know, the Second Amendment mentions the right to bear arms, for example, right? And, and very interesting, Joe, she did not mention privacy. Yeah. She didn't even go there. She, she went to liberty, of all things, right? And here probably invoking um, another bad Catholic uh, on this issue, Justice Anthony Kennedy, mm. who came up with his mystery clause, where he defined the the, the, the the right to liberty to come up with your own definitions of liberty, the right to meaning to come up with your own definitions of meaning. But but she she's now going to liberty, and which which she cited in the Fourteenth Amendment, which ironically is right next to the word life. <laughs> So she ignores life, but invokes liberty there. So they might not even be—they be, might not even be arguing for privacy anymore. That's the kind of shell game that they're playing here. But 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 they're coming up with whatever they can, arguing with whatever they can, knowing probably that Roe v. Wade is in peril. So yeah, it's going to go back to the state. Hold it's that thought. Go back to the state. Hold that thought. Dr. Paul Kingor is our guest. We're talking about. His article, but about uh, the potential of overturning Roe v. Wade and what will happen. All that and more is coming up right after this very short break. Catholic Drive Time will be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says... The other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. 
The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the Church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? Because sooner or later, it'll be turned against the Church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. We're talking with Dr. Paul Kengor, a professor of political science at Grove City College, a pro- prolific author and speaker. And we're talking about the abortion states of America. It's an article he has out on Crisis Magazine. He published it back in November, but uh, it's still a very um, time-sensitive conversation to have. And one of the things I want to bring up, Dr. Ken Gore, welcome back to the show, by the way, is that the, the conversation of the great divorce is really peaking in America. I mean, there's commentators everywhere talking about the potential of another civil war or a, a, a war between the states or even just a, a civil breakup, if you will. And it seems like this could be one of those issues that perpetuates such a thing. Do you see that that's possible? Well, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, people are being divided. And in fact, you could add to this critical race theory, which, which, which divides people. Um, you know, Dr. Wyatt T. Walker, who was a close associate of Martin Luther King Jr., and he described critical race theory uh, quite accurately as, as this increasingly fashionable post-Marxist, post-modernist approach that, as he put it, um, separates separates even school children into explicit racial groups, emphasizing differences instead of similarities. And, and you know, that, that's what critical race theory does. And you know, Martin Luther King Jr. said we need to judge people by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. And in, instead what they're doing with things like CRT is they're defining you by your racial category. And this has come out of the universities, Joe, right, where everybody, everything is viewed through race, gender, and sexual orientation. Your identity defines you. Your category defines you. You know, unlike the Catholic Christian view that we're all made in the imago dei, in the image of God, right, that you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, right, uh, free or slave. You, you know, you are what your category is. You are what your identity is. And, and so this explicitly divides, and it's happening on so many levels, and this abortion issue is another issue where people are being put at each other's throats, and frankly, they were put there, as was noted by one of the justices last week, because the federal government, the justices on the Supreme Court in 1973, uh, decided to force all of America to agree with you know, six or seven of them on Roe v. Wade, 
when in fact you know you could have left this to 50 different states as we did by the way with defining marriage prior to the Obergefell decision in 2015 so so all of this divides people pits people into separate categories and and puts them at each other's throats it's a very nasty divisive time and Dr. Kengor, you know, that this brings up a great point that I keep trying to get – trying to figure this out. Everybody keeps bringing up the point that, you know, you know this whole problem, all it's going to do is it's going to send the question back to the states. Overturning Roe v. Wade won't ban abortion. But the question has been posed to the, uh, to the Supreme Court. Couldn't they come back and say, hey, this child in the womb is a person and falls under the Constitution and they have a right to life. And so, therefore, we are forbidding we are forbidding uh, abortion across the board in all 50 states. Why can't that be done? I mean, I understand that there might not be the political uh, desire to do it, but isn't, is that even an option for them to do? Because that would solve all these problems. I suppose, I suppose it's possible, but, 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 you know, the Constitution, when it talks about life, and and I, I, they're not dealing with abortion. The framers most certainly weren't dealing with abortion. But I understand your point as a general principle, right? And this we get to issues like Dred Scott and others that denied that that um, black Americans were even fully human, right? You simply can't say that, right? Your slavery is obviously unconstitutional. Um, but but it, but I would I think that the. The, the better decision by the justices would be that, that the Constitution is silent on this issue, right? It, it, it does not speak to it. And, and so, it, so it's something that, that shouldn't even be ruled upon by the Supreme Court. It ought to be pushed back to the states. And then, people, and then people at the individual state level could have it out at the different state levels. What would more likely happen would be, and the Guttmacher Institute put out data on this, which I cite in the article, something like probably – I mean, 20 to 30 states, 30-plus states would would have pretty heavy abortion restrictions. Some of them might even try to eliminate it entirely. But what would more likely happen would be um, the, the Democrat states, right, the Democrat-run states on the coast, West Coast, East Coast, um, California, Oregon, Washington, uh, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, the northeastern states. They would become America's abortion states. And and if and if a girl in Mississippi or Texas or somewhere in the Midwest was um, you know 28 weeks, and and in her state you know praise be to God was <laughs> was not allowed to have an abortion, well the the Catholic governors of of New York and California would welcome her with open arms. They'd even arrange transportation for her, right? Wow. They'd say, come here, come here. We're happy to have you. We'll pick you up at the airport. You know, we'll, we'll give you a limousine service if you want to. You know, come here, come here. But by the way, that, that raises a question of how should the bishops react to such a politician, right, um, who, who's, who's doing that? I, I, you know, that you know, that's something that the bishops ought to reconsider. But, the, but that's more likely what would happen. We're talking with Dr. Paul Kengor about his article, The Abortion States of America. Let's talk about the bishops here. We just went through these uh, these meetings with Pope Francis and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. Now, you do state in your article, you point out that just prior to those meetings, he makes these statements against abortion, calling it murder. And, and praise be to God, he makes those statements. I'm glad he does. But at the same time, 
um, when Biden, you know, comes out and says, oh, the Pope told me to keep going, to keep receiving communion, and the Vatican declines to clarify, that is a scandal of monumental proportions. We see over and over again that these these pro-choice Catholic politicians publicly deny church teaching and ardently go against it with fervor, and the bishops just... I don't know. There's there's no law being laid down here. What are we to think about this? Well, yeah, it is scandalous. And I, and I thought the bishop's statement recently was actually pretty good and reaffirmed a lot of what had already been been understood. But in the case of Pope Francis, yeah, I had I teach at uh, Grove City College, Grove City, Pennsylvania. It's largely largely Protestant. I'm probably one of no more than about 20 faculty that who are Catholic out of about 150, 160. And when that happened, I could have predicted it. My email box, right, from, <laughs> from faculty, from people saying, what's the Pope doing? What, 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 can you explain this? And I said, I, I do what I always do here, Joe. Well, I don't know. I, you know, you know, the Pope explaining. <laughs> yeah, the Pope said that, and it could be that he meant this. And you know, Biden could be, you know, not exactly accurate in how he's, re- you know, on and on and on and on. And of, and, of, and of course, the answer is we don't know. We don't have any idea. And we're left with what we're often left with under this papacy, confusion. You just right. have absolutely no idea. You have absolutely no idea. We do know that Pope Francis has, has referred to the Eucharist as, as, as medicine for the sick, right? And this goes back to his days, his, his days in Argentina, where, where, he, where he would prefer to give the Eucharist right, rather than withhold it. But, but, all, you know, but a key part of this, especially for the bishops, the Bishop of Rome, you know, the, 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 you know, for all, all the bishops, for, for the Pope, is you have to say to the sinner, right? The sinner has to acknowledge that he's sick, right? He has to say, well, you know, I've been sinning, and this is not a good thing, and, and has to repent. You know, you know, go and sin no more, right? Go and sin no more. Uh, but instead you have people like Ted Lieu, the California congressman, who said to his priests and bishops, next time I go to church, I dare you to deny me communion. I dare you to deny me communion. And, and you know, they're, they're probably not going to deny him communion. And so, so this kind of scandal persists. It, 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 it continues to go on. And I don't know what's going on with Kathy Hochul and Cardinal Dolan and they're in New York, or Gavin Newsom. I know that that, um, that the bishops like like uh, like uh, Salvatore Cordelione in San Francisco, he's been great. He's he's been terrific in regard to Nancy Pelosi. But Nancy Pelosi can can go to uh, Cardinal Gregory's churches anywhere in Washington D.C. and easily get communion there. So you've got different bishops applying different standards. And it leads to complete confusion among the laity, among Catholics, and among non-Catholics. And in the meantime, it's going to allow behavior like that of Hochul and Newsom and others to, 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 to continue. I do find it fascinating. There are certain parallels here between uh, the Supreme Court case uh, that possibly could overturn Roe v. Wade, going and pushing it back to the states, and what happened at the USCCB fall assembly in Baltimore a few weeks back. Uh, basically pushing it back to the bishops, right? The bishops are going to have to make decisions for their own diocese. And uh, one thing that's always puzzled me, even talking about Corleone up in San Francisco, I do think he's been more outspoken than most, and praise be to God for that, but he, he hasn't evoked 
excommunication for someone who was ardently persistent against the church, vocals, uh, vocally so, uh, and, uh, and takes donor dollars from Planned Parenthood, for crying out loud, during her campaigns. Uh, so why do the bishops not in, invoke this tool in their toolbox that might just possibly win the heart of this, uh, this unrepentant person? Right, and sections 2271 and 2272 of the Catechism says, quote, formal cooperation in an abortion constitutes a grave offense. The Church attaches the canonical penalty of excommunication to this crime against human life, unquote. And you would think that um, someone like Kathy Hochul going so far as to saying, saying to women out of her state, I mean, how far is the drive from Texas to, you know, to western New York, right? 2,000 miles. 20 hours? Yeah, yeah, right. It's saying, um, you know, you know, we welcome you. Lady Liberty welcomes you with open arms. We will help provide you with transport that's horrible. to get here. I mean, if that's not formal cooperation yeah. with, with, with an abortion, I, 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 don't, I don't know what is. And, and I'll, I'll say this you know, on the air and for people to think about you know, this does, and the, the bishop's recent document out of Baltimore affirms this. It really does leave it to the bishop and and the and the, the Catholic pro-choice politician in the diocese. We're out of time. And so the bishops are ultimately accountable. We're out of time, Dr. Paul Kingor. Thank you for your time today. God love you. God bless you. We appreciate you being on the show, giving us perspective. All right. Thank you. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to Jesus. If you're able to join us in the second hour, we'd love to have you. Just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We're going to play our game. Fear and trembling and prizes are at stake. You could win. We'll see you then. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, 
In order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be back on with you. Praise be to God. Happy feast day of St. Juan Diego. St. Juan Diego, pray for us. Hopefully and prayerfully, you had a great Immaculate Conception yesterday, our feast day for the Immaculate Conception. Um, what a wonderful opportunity to beg Our Lady to pray and intercede for all of the troubles that we face in this world today. The darkness that is our time. Uh, what a great light that she brings to the world. The light of salvation, her son. Amen. Uh, praise be to Jesus. We're going to have a great hour this hour. We just wrapped up a wonderful conversation with Dr. Paul Kengor uh, about uh, his article over at Crisis Magazine, The Abortion States of America and the fallout of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, what possibly could happen or is likely to happen. Uh, so we'll be posting that to our social feeds at some point in the near future. So be sure to subscribe to all of those, which you can find linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But today's the day I send out our CDT Insider email, and I always include unique and special content. And uh, so we had a great opportunity a couple of years ago to have a, a fun conversation with Dr. Taylor Marshall about the song, Mary, Did You Know?, and uh, I found the archive of it, and I have put it out, so I'm going to be sending that in the email tonight, as well as some other goodies for you and for your enjoyment. So to get on our email list, just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can sign up for the CDT Insider email list. You can also pull out your smartphone, and you can text the letters GRN to the number 42828. So text GRN, those letters, put those in there, and just put uh, text all of that to the number 42828. So Jack, text GRN to 42828. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Do you feel totally responsible for everything that happens in California, like I seem to suggest? Yeah, it's a horrible burden, Joe. I Someone's got to do it, though. I, I, I can hardly sleep. I got the shakes. The good news is, and uh, T-minus uh, two three weeks, you're going to be a Texan. <laughs> That's going to be exciting. Let's go. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. Now, do you, have you already made up your mind? Are you going to be like a Cowboys fan or a Texan fan? I mean, have you decided on that yet? 
Well, you know, when I was there last, the, the Houston Astros were playing. and uh, The I World Series, maybe, you mean? Yeah, the World Series. Unlike yeah. the Rangers, you mean <laughs> Astros in the World Series. I just want to clarify. I, I was sure. thinking, I was like, hmm, maybe I should look into them so I can pass off as a poser <laughs> fan, you know, like coming here to Texas. <laughs> now, there's also, you got to consider the Spurs versus, uh, versus uh, I Houston guess, Rockets. the Houston Rockets. I guess Dallas has some sort of team. I don't know. Forget Is about that. Is that basketball? One. I don't watch basketball. You don't watch basketball? What about yeah. soccer? We have a soccer team, too. Oh, that's even worse. That's Fo- boring. The true football. Amen. What? Amen, what? brother. Amen, Amen brother. The British call it footy. <laughs> speaking of speaking of world's greatest sport, Adrian Fonsek is here on the ones and twos. Praise be to you. God. I like Rudy more and more every day. <laughs> yeah. This is all, this is good stuff you right just here. Offended this is good stuff. The world. It well, is the most popular. What did sport I call soccer last time? Planet Earth. What did I call soccer last time? What? I think I called it poverty ball. Oh, because uh, it's only uh, it's a it's the most it's the best Send sport. Send your hate mail to Adrian all... Fonseca and the uh, care of. <laughs> it's in the uh, it's a popular in all the sport because they can't afford to play football because uh, all you need to play soccer is is a ball Ouch. and a net. That's it. <laughs> People are already calling for your firing right now, Rudy. On the social feeds, they're already just call, sh- they, pitchforks and fire is already starting to happen right now. Sounds like they're more Californian than me. They're trying to cancel <laughs> me. <laughs> Welcome to the team, Rudy. Welcome to the team. You are uh, you're already almost a full Texan, and you haven't even arrived. <laughs> as soon as you get here, we're going to go to a Dynamo game. We'll go. Th- yikes! I'll take yes. you to, take you to an A and M football game. Let's go. <sighs> Real football. Take, take me to Whataburger. Soccer. That too. It's yeah. Whataburger. <laughs> I thought you knew how to read. Sa- and he says it right too. Whataburger. Oh, Praise man. be to God. All of our friends. Uh, all of our friends in Alabama and Florida have no idea what we're talking about at this moment. They're thinking Roll Tide <laughs> for sure. Roll Tide. Uh, but uh, our friends in uh, Virginia and Maryland, I, I don't know what, what what teams do they support up there. Hmm. The, the Capitals, maybe? I have no idea. At any rate, we're going to have a fun show. We're going to dive in. We're going to have a good news story for you. We cover all the more serious stuff in the first hour, and we try to be a little bit more fun and jovial in this hour. Of course, we have our game show coming up here in a moment, and you could win prizes, so be on the standby to make your phone call and be our contestant to play our game and possibly win prizes, and then we'll have an after show where we will allow you to drive that conversation, and we'll talk about soccer and its and its uh, benefits to the world, or whatever, whatever else is on your mind. But let's pray, and let's dive in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left uh, unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, now your good news with Rudy Carlos. All right, I'm going to try not to to drop a tear during this story. You know, they say uh, men shouldn't cry. I think you can cry during, uh, you know, during Mass, for example. But anyways, Epic Times reports, boy, 11 dedicates soccer game to his mom who passed two days prior rival players console him a young soccer player who lost his mother to cancer just 48 hours before a league game paid tribute by dedicating his game to her with a heartfelt handwritten message on his t-shirt he won the hearts of all who attended even the opponents 11 year old luca guerci who plays for the 10th division of the alumni de azul soccer club in buenos aires 
Argentina traveled 80 kilometers to Pedro Bordenave Stadium in Atletico de Tapalque for a game on November 20th. Despite the recent loss of his mother, Alvaro Luri, who owns and runs the Argentinian sports news outlet Tarde Redonda, was covering the game and noticed that Luca surely had strong emotions before gameplay as his mother had passed away just 48 hours prior. Luca's mother, he told the Epic Times, was in treatment for a long time and had battled cancer. Bolstered by his teammates, Luca played the game wearing the number two on his shirt, scored a goal, and later donned a white shirt with a handwritten message. Thanks for everything, Mama. Kisses to heaven. I love you. Locals at the Atletico Stadium showed immense support to the young grieving player. Most notably, players on the rival team came forward to offer their condolences without being prompted. At the end of the game, they huddled around Luca and hugged him warmly. Lurie says it was the most moving display of solidarity among kids league players he had ever seen. He says, quote, I have seen gestures depicting many values, and when the game ends, rival players have consoled one another. But this surpassed everything, unquote. According to a Spanish translation, what happened was very exciting. A gesture of very good values in children that has become an example for the world. Luca, he added, is very grateful to everyone who has shown him love. He says, quote, it was very good for him to feel so much affection at this very difficult time in his life. Uh, please pray for his mother. I don't know her name, but, uh, you know, his name is Luca. And uh, this is the kind of soccer game that I would love to attend. I know I just said I don't like soccer, but uh, just something like that is incredible. And please keep them in your prayers. That was your good news story. God love you. That one gets an exception. All righty. The saint of the day, of course, St. Juan Diego, pray for us. Uh, but today we're going to go through a Gaelic saint. So this is a easy pronunciation. I am fluent in Gaelic, obviously. Uh, saint Budok, uh, pray for us. He was born in the 6th century to Princess Ezenor, who fled Brittany with her young son, St. Budok, due to a dynastic uh, conflict. Arriving first in Cornwall, they then proceeded to Ireland, where he became a monk. They later returned to Brittany, landing at Port's Potter near Brest. A, fam a famous abbot whose chief establishment was on Britain's coast, St. Budok became a famous abbot. He was a teacher living on the island of, of Lorea, and later he seceded St. Samson and Magloria as Bishop of Dole and ruled for 26 years. He is reputed to have been the grandson of the King Evan of Brest. His mother, Princess Asinor, had been falsely accused of infidelity by her jealous stepmother, who had thrown the pregnant woman into the sea in a cask. She invoked the help of St. Bridget, and the cask drifted for five months. Shortly after Ezenor's baby was born, the cask washed ashore on the coast of Ireland. A villager summoned the abbot of Beauport near Waterford, and the child was christened the next day. Ezenor became the washerwoman of the monastery, and Budok was raised there. Ezenor's stepmother fell ill, and upon her deathbed, she recanted the evil lies that she spread. Ezenor's husband sailed in search of Ezenor and arrived in Ireland. The couple was reconciled, but both died before they could return to Brittany. However, a tradition in Cornwallie has Ezenor founding a religious establishment at, Ca at Cap Sizun. Budok is reputed to have sailed across the Plymouth Sound until he found an inlet in the, in the Devon side of the River Tamar. He landed in Budshed Creek, part of the present district of Plymouth called St. Budo. 
His supposed activity suggests the foundation of early churches in Plymouth. St. Budok, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 11, verses 11 through 15. Jesus said to the crowds, Amen, I say to you, among those born of woman, there has been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent are taking it by force. All the prophets and the law prophesied up to the time of John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, the one who is to come. Whoever has ears ought to hear the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Last hour, I talked about the violence of this passage, which is pretty incredible. Prayer, fasting, doing penance, overcoming our disordered passions to join Christ on the cross on Calvary, of course. Uh, but uh, St. Jerome would say this about Elias or Elijah. He says, John then is said to be Elias, not according to the foolish philosophers and certain heretics who bring forward their metempsychosis or passing of the soul from one body to another, but because, as it is in another passage of the gospel, he came in the spirit and power of Elias and had the same grace and measure of the Holy Spirit. But in austerity of life and fortitude of spirit, Elias and John were alike. They both dwelt in the desert. Both were girded with a, gir a griddle of skins. Because he reproved Ahab and Jezebel for their wickedness, Elias was compelled to fly. Because he condemned the unlawful union of Herod and Herodias, John is beheaded." Close quote, St. Jerome, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Oh, my goodness. There's so much here. As usual, Cornelius Lapide had a lot to say about St. John the Baptist. And a couple things I'll try to note, I'll try to reduce to as little as I can. He says here that by a miracle, when he was born, he communicated universal gladness. By a miracle at his circumcision, he restored the use of speech to his dumb father. Dumb, not meaning uh, unintelligent. Dumb, meaning not able to speak. By a miracle, he went when a, when a boy into the desert and there lived like an angel all his life. Whence the church sings of John, O boundless, happy, of merit most lofty, of purity snow white, pollution thou hatest, O martyr, most valiant, of deserts the lover, of seers the greatest. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing in which the church sings of St. John the Baptist because St. John the Baptist, he is one of the three people that we celebrate his uh, conception and his birthday. Now, those three people are who? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and who? John the Baptist. We forget how important this great saint is. In fact, John the Baptist is one of the only saints that is mentioned in the Confidior and the I Confess and the traditional Roman Rite. Uh, the they say to I confess to Almighty God, to Blessed Virgin Mary to John the Baptist, to St. Michael the Archangel. St. John the Baptist is so important to our day because he points us to the living God. Yet what does our Lord say here? Our Lord says that those that the least of the blessed in heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because St. John the Baptist was born of woman, but we are born again in baptism. Think about that. John the Baptist died 
before he was able to be baptized. He was not baptized in in the way that our Lord uh, had after his death. John the Baptist was a martyr, praise be to God. He's in the kingdom of heaven, praise be to God. But he did not receive the sacramental grace that we get to have as a privilege. He didn't get to receive the blessed sacrament in the Holy Eucharist. He didn't get to receive baptism. He didn't really get to receive confirmation. But we have that opportunity. What will we do with that opportunity? Will we be grateful or will we, will we cast uh, mm. pearls at swine? Amen. It is time to play our game. Praise be to God. We have an opportunity for you to possibly win some prizes. All you need to do, dear listener, is be our contestant on the phone right now at 877-757-9424. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back and play Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show where we have a laugh. But also like to give out prizes at one eight hundred or rather eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Again, that phone number is eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. That's eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Call right now and be our contestant. Fear and trembling is coming up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not tell anybody what I'm about to share with you. Okay? That's the deal. 
But we, are, we do like to do a few things on Fear and Trembling. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you could possibly just learn something new about the Catholic faith that you did not know. And praise be to God for that. We also like to have fun with our callers, and they tend to be a good time. They tend to laugh with us and be great sports, and we really enjoy that part. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes, which means it's kind of a winner for everybody involved. However, if you are new here and you do not understand what is going on at the moment, we are playing a game called Fear and Trembling. It is a Catholic trivia game, which means I have Catholic trivia questions in front of me, three of them to be precise. However, the caller does not need to know any of the answers, and they could still win. That's right. And the reason why is because I will not ask them these questions. Instead, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be wrong. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, uh, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize, which, by the way, happens tomorrow. So three chances today, three chances tomorrow. Rudy, what could they win? So this week we have a generous sponsor, Versalo Alto Coffee Roasters. They are generously gifting us a trio of their light, medium, and full-bodied coffee roasts. Pull up a cup of amazingly freshly roasted coffee from a Catholic Mm. company, by the way, from Versalo Alto Coffee Roasters. Their philosophy is to the heights. They adopted this motto for the roastery because it dares them to embrace the simple life and to unearth the beatific within every day. If you're interested in supporting our great sponsor, please check out their website, versolaltocoffeeroasters.com. I'm going to spell it out. It's a little confusing. Verso, and then there's an L, altocoffeeroasters.com, V-E-R-S-O-L-A-L-T-O, coffeeroasters.com. And we have some extra goodies from this generous sponsor. Uh, check it out in our CDT Insider email. Joe, what was the, the number for them to sign up for that again? Yeah, make sure you're on that because I'll send that email out tonight, which, in, which will include this little extra goodie from this particular sponsor. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and look for the CDT Insider email list. And you can sign up that way or just pull out your cell phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828. All right, praise be to God. Thank you to our sponsor uh, for generously helping us uh, give awesome thanks to our listeners. We're very grateful for that. Let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Susie. Hello. Praise be to God, Susie. Good morning to you. Uh, Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. I haven't been to Fort Worth in a very long time. Cowboy capital of the world, I think, right? Yes, very much. Are you a cowgirl, Susie? <laughs> uh, I'm not a cowgirl, but I am a cowboy fan. Hey, now. Yikes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I remember the good old days, Troy Aikman. I mean, that was, those were good times. Deion Sanders. Oh. You remember we'll those days, to, Susie? We'll have to bring Rudy to the Fort Worth Stock the Show. Best. The best. That's the right. Best. The good old yeah. days. Yeah. All right, Susie, where do you go to church? I go to church at Immaculate Heart of Mary. How wonderful. Well, praise be to Jesus. Uh, And are you familiar with our game? Do you understand how the rules work? I do. So you have opinions then about the trickiness of certain uh, certain players. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm going to try to be alert for that. All right. Very good. Very good. All right. Here we go. We're going to get started. We will start with Rudy, as is our custom. Rudy, are you ready? I am so ready. Are you sure? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you sure? (laughs) 
Yeah, I think so. Okay, Rudy, can you tell me what is the term for a metal vessel similar to a chalice, but having a cover in which hosts are reserved in the tabernacle? Oh, that's an easy one. Back when I was a sacristan, I used to take care of all of these uh, vessels. Oh, really? Wow. Mm. This is called a luna. Uh, a luna. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. Let's just get a second opinion here. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me what is the term for a metal vessel similar to a chalice, but having a cover in which hosts are reserved in the tabernacle? It's funny because I was a sacristan too when I was in the novitiate. Really? And, uh, I was. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling and surrounded the, at the uh, moment. Yeah, you're surrounded. Coming after you, Joe. By sacristans. Uh, by sacristans. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that would be a saborium. A saborium. A saborium. A saborium. Mm-hmm. That's a fancy word. It saborium. is a fancy word. Ooh, mm. fancy. Is that Latin? Saborium. Well, it might be. Probably. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Susan, here's the deal. Or is it Susie or Susan? Which do you prefer? Susie. Susie, uh, here's the deal. Adrian says it's a saborium. And don't forget, he was a sacristan. Uh, versus Rudy seems to suggest it was a Luna who also happened to be a sacristan. So 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Who is a better sacristan? Susie, what say you? <laughs> I say Adrian. Out loud? Publicly? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so good. So good. 10 out of 10. And See, the Saborium actually comes from Greek. Uh, Luna is for the monstrance. It's what holds the uh, consecrated host that that we display, or we put our Lord in public adoration. Because it looks like a moon. During adoration. So Luna, it's like the crescent moon shape there. So good call. I didn't know. Good call, Susie. Well done. You you nailed that one. Saborium is the correct answer. You're in the cup. You might win. Praise be to God. But I think we can increase your chances here. We're going to go to Adrian for this next Uh-oh. question. That's a scary thought. Uh, a question after his heart, I would say. Is it oh, near, really? Near and dear. Near and dear. <laughs> I'm very uh, uncomfortable right now. Yikes. <laughs> Adrian, can you tell me, who was the chief of the fallen angels? The chief of the fallen angels. Why yeah. would you think I know this again? Uh, you're smart. Because you're smart. Mm-hmm. And you were Dominican. Right. 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 Uh, yeah, that would be Lucifer, or Satan, or the uh, Prince of Lies. Uh, yeah, so Lucifer. Okay, so you're going to go with Lucifer. Uh, that's my guess. Do I have to say all the rest of that stuff? You have, you have to say verbatim in order, in the proper order. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Lucifer's <laughs> let's fine. Just see, let's just see what Brother Adrian has to say here. Adrian, can you, or rather, you Rudy, Rudy, it's Thursday. <laughs> it's not even Friday yet. Rudy, can you tell me? Can you tell me, Rudy, who was the chief of the fallen angels? The chief of the fallen angels, St. Michael. He had a flaming sword. Really? Yeah. Interesting. St. Michael. (laughs) Are you laughing? Uh, uh, Yeah, why are you laughing, Joe? Morning allergies. You're hurting my feelings. Allergies in the morning. That's all it is. All right, Susie, here is the deal. Rudy seems to think it's St. Michael with his fiery sword versus Adrian seems to think it's Lucifer. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is the chief of the fallen angels? Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Susie, what say you? I say I'm going with Adrian. 
Again? What? Begrudgingly, though, this time. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Smart move, Susie. I mean, if you have to go with Adrian, you might as well do it begrudgingly. That's what I say. She No, it was very confident. <laughs> Praise be to God. All right, you're in for two. Rudy, St. Michael, you should repent right now. <laughs> Poor St. So Michael. All right. We, I think we can get you, though, uh, three times. And I'm going to say, Susie, that this next question could be the trickiest of all three. Easy peasy. Uh, we're going to okay. go back to Rudy first. Uh, yeah, Rudy, can you tell me? What is the highest faculty of the human soul? Yeah, that's the intellect. God okay. gave us an mm-hmm. intellect. Yeah, all right. To discern his will. Okay. Uh, Adrian, let's ask you. Adrian, mm-hmm. can you tell me what is the highest faculty of the human soul? Yes, that would be the appetitive faculty. The appetitive Amen, brother. faculty. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susie, here's the deal. Uh, brother Adrian seems to think it's the appetitive faculty, whereas Rudy seems to think it's the intellect. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Susie, what say you? I'm going to go with Rudy. Oh. <gasps> Survey says... Nailed it. Easy peasy. Yes. <laughs> well Yay. done, Susie. Congrats. Perfect score. Now, the appetitive faculty Woo. is the uh, is your passions, your disordered will. So yes. Which sometimes opposite. feels stronger. Yes. Sometimes does, yeah. Which our <laughs> intellect should control those disordered passions, right? With right reason. Good job, Susie. You're in for three. It may be God's will that you win. You have to tune in tomorrow to find out. But we're so grateful that you called in today. God love you. We pray that you have a great Thank day. You. We're gonna, we're gonna thank you. We're gonna put you on hold and get your phone number. Make sure we have it. But that is going to do it for the radio side of Thursday's episode. Brain freezes and all. We had a great time. Thank you for joining us. If you can hang out with us in the after show, we would love to chat with you, where you get to drive our conversation. So join us online at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Or on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Odyssey, wherever else, even on LinkedIn. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Memorial of St. Juan Diego. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. For all the saints who from their labors rest, who thee by faith be for the world confess thy name, O 
Jesus, be forever blessed. Alleluia. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty, Almighty God, God and, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what, what I have done, in what, what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all, all the angels and saints, and, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our <coughs> sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who by means of St. Juan Diego showed the love of the Most Holy Virgin Mary for your people, grant through, her, through his intercession that by following the counsels our mother gave at Guadalupe, we may be ever constant in fulfilling your will. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. I am the Lord your God, who grasps your right hand, it is I who say to you, Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, O worm Jacob, O maggot Israel. I will help you, says the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. I will make of you a threshing sledge, sharp, new, and double-edged, to thresh the mountains and crush them, to make the hills like chaff. When you winnow them, the wind shall carry them off, and the storm shall scatter them. But you shall rejoice in the Lord, and glory in the Holy One of Israel. The afflicted and the needy seek water in vain. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up rivers on the bare heights, and fountains in the broad valleys. I will turn the desert into a marshland, and the dry ground into springs of water. I will plant in the desert of the cedar, acacia, myrtle, and olive. I will set in the wasteland the cypress, together with the plane tree and the pine, that all may see and know, observe and understand, that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. I will extol you, O my God and King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. 
The Lord is good to all and compassionate toward all his works. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Let them make known to men your might and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Alleluia. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a Savior. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the crowds, Amen, I say to you, among those born of woman, there has been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent are taking it by force. All the prophets and the law prophesied up to the time of John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, the one who is to come. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Advent readings coming from the book of the prophet Isaiah, including today. They are readings which, of course, are written for the people of Israel in the hope of the coming of the Messiah and of the peace and harmony that he will come to bring. But I think they're also readings which are intended for us to interpret and receive them personally, to say uh, God is also coming for us in order to bring peace and harmony to our lives and to squelch our enemies which cause us trouble. I love the beginning of today's reading from Isaiah in the passage where it says, I am the Lord your God who grasp your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I will help you. It really is kind of the theme of Advent, you know, that we are a people who are in need of help in order to be saved, and we come to the recognition that we have to look outside of ourselves for our salvation, and for that reason we look for the coming of Christ who is the one who comes to save us. I think when we consider who our adversaries are in the spiritual life and in this journey toward Christ, this journey whereby we need help in order to be saved, there are those three traditional enemies that have been named, the world, the flesh, and the devil, which I think give a very good framework to kind of describe uh, what it is we actually need help from. I think the first place to start is, is the flesh. And here, of course, even thinking to yesterday's readings on the Immaculate Conception, really is a reference to our fallen human nature, you know, that every single one of us should have encountered in our life the fact that it is difficult for us to do the good we know we should do, 
and sometimes it can be a challenge to avoid the things that we know we should avoid. And no matter how clearly we know those things, it doesn't mean we can always do it at the snap of our fingers, and that seems to be a perpetual problem in a way for everyone. We have a fallen nature, and that is the reason why. And on account of it, it also can be easy to be prone to discouragement, because we can say, well, why do I kind of keep making the same mistakes over and over again, and how come I'm not stronger to be able to avoid certain things or to be able to consistently do things which I really would like to do and know I should do? And yes, while, of course, we keep striving to do our best and to discipline ourselves and to grow in virtue, it also helps us to grow in humility and to recognize that we need the help of Jesus in order to overcome the flesh, in order to overcome our fallen human nature, and in fact, without him, of course, we would have no chance of doing it. The second enemy is the world. And here, I think we're referring to the culture that we live in specifically and the kind of air that we breathe every day just by virtue of the culture that we live in. And here we can recognize that as centuries go by, uh, some cultures and times are healthier than others. And sometimes the air is a little bit cleaner to breathe and other times it's a bit more polluted to breathe in. I think now in the world that we live in, the first thing of course we recognize is that the economy of the world is just completely different from the economy of the gospel. The economy of the gospel places love, service, sacrifice, those are kind of the fundamental values of the economy of the gospel. The economy of the world is built on wealth, material possessions, power, control over others. They're totally different operating principles and we encounter it in the culture we live in and therefore we have to be able to resist against it. But I think even more dangerously, you know, the culture that we live in on the one hand tends toward a kind of intellectual sin of denying the fact that there is an absolute truth that we human beings can know and therefore direct our lives toward, namely communion with God. And that, if it's accepted, is a rather devastating consequence because one won't move their life toward their proper end, which is the love of the Most Holy Trinity. And secondly, with respect to the will, we kind of live in this very strange paradoxical time where on the one hand we live in a culture that kind of trumpets the absolute power of the will whereby we get to make up the moral law and we get to determine what the moral law should look like. And on the other hand, we live in a time where there's a kind of determinism where how many times do we hear it where someone says, well, you would have done the exact same thing if you grew up in the same circumstances or if you were born that way, you would be determined to do it, which is really a denial of personal freedom. So on the other, we kind of have in the world we live in, we got both of those errors which are very, very prevalent. Whereas for us, again, we believe that God has created the universe with an order. He has placed an order and a goal and a purpose in our life. That part is determined and we use our freedom to decide whether or not we're going to live in harmony with that or whether we're going to choose our own way. Again, it's a completely different message from what we get from the world. And then finally, and perhaps more terrifyingly, is the devil. And here, of course, I think one wants to speak with a certain amount of caution because on the one hand, uh, we certainly wouldn't want to deny the presence of evil spirits in the world that we live in. Uh, 
Uh, we would also acknowledge that the devil was underneath the original temptation of Adam and Eve from which our fall originally came from. And also the fact there are some things, unfortunately, that we look at or hear about in this world which are so wicked and so deviant that we say this really had to be some kind of demonic origin just by the sheer nature of its, of its perversity. And on the other hand, we don't want to live in a terrifying fear of thinking that every room we walk into has got ten evil spirits there waiting to attack us because that would be a rather unhealthy outlook on life as well. I think the best explanation I heard once, it was back, I think, 24 years ago or so I heard it, but it was a priest who said, you know, the devil is like a vicious, violent dog who is chained to a tree. And the chain is stern and solid, and so he only has a certain radius that he can go out to. And if you stay outside of that circumference, that circle where that violent, rabid dog can reach, uh, you're going to be okay. But if you dip your foot into that circle, well, look out because you don't know what's going to be left by the time he's finished with you. And I, and I think that's kind of the nature many times with these, you know, any kind of evil spirit or demonic reality. When a person intentionally opens himself to that influence, um, it can be a very scary consequence which comes out of it. And again, sadly, too, we see that in the world. So none of this is meant to depress you, <laughs> but it's meant to say uh, we, we desperately need a Savior. We desperately need Jesus, and without him we are in a whole boatload of trouble, and with him we have the gift of salvation, and it really is that simple. So my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us uh, truly give thanks to God that Jesus is our true hope for our salvation and let us place all of our confidence in him, knowing that he is the one who has conquered our enemies of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that him too, this triumph is ours. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops, for their physical and spiritual needs, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders that they would be inspired to enact laws that safeguard the dignity of human life at every phase, which never contradict the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and the courage and perseverance to unite their sufferings with Christ on the cross. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for all those joining us through radio and online media, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Uncharted spank the Baptist cry, announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of kings. 
then cleanse me every life from sin make straight the way for god within and let us all our hearts prepare for christ to come and enter there we hail you as our savior lord our refuge and our great reward without your grace we waste away like flowers that wither and decay pray brethren that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to god the almighty father may the lord accept the sacrifice at your hands praise and glory of his name for our good and good of all his holy church through the present oblation O lord which we offer in commemoration of blessed juan diego bestow on your faithful we pray the gifts of unity and peace through christ our lord amen the lord be with you and with your spirit lift up your heart we lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord, for he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfilled the design you formed long ago, and opened for us the way to eternal salvation, that when he comes again in glory and majesty, and all is at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which now we dare to hope. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna, you are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In 
In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, quies in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat renum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other a sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, 
Quitolis peccatamuni, miserere nobis, anius dei. Quitolis peccatamuni, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there. Amen. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here, until the Son of God appear. Rejoice! Rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to you, O Israel. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadow put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to you, O Israel. Let us pray. May the sacrament we have received, O Lord, in commemoration of blessed Juan Diego, sanctify our minds and hearts, that we may merit to be made sharers in the divine nature through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Creator of the stars of night, Thy people's everlasting light. Jesus, Redeemer, save us all. And hear thy servants when they call. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits 
who prowl about the world, seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. a co